on Vinyl Analysis, we have music journalist Rick Geffen on the show with us. We break down Aerosmith's 1974 album, Get Your Wings. This album cemented their sound. The first album was more of their influence. You get into Get Your Wings, and that's really the first, first time that you hear that trademark Aerosmith sound that is still going to this day. Final analysis. I am your host, Arch Madness. Along with me, I, I'm not even. I don't even want to call you my right hand man because that you know, we could go in all kinds of different directions there. I guess that's a good thing. I would be lost without you. Hey, can you hear Brad? I think. Can you hear Brad playing in the background? <laughs> Producer Greg Hansberry. What's up, my man? Yo. Uh, today uh, we're gonna talk. Well, we'll try to. You know how this goes, and I have a feeling with this cat right here. This is. We'll be lucky if we get to Aerosmith's Get Your Wings. It was released March 1st, 1974. They had three singles released. It's Same Old Song and Dance, Train Kept Her Rollin', and then SOS Too Bad, which is a uh, killer song. There's so many great songs on this one. There were so many different uh, ways we could have gone with an Aerosmith record, uh, but this was their second studio album, and, uh, you know, what do you pick? I mean, do you go Toys in the Attic? Do you do Rocks? Draw the line. There's so many different ways to go. But this second record from Aerosmith uh, really, really is, it's my favorite. It has some of my favorite Aerosmith songs, and we will get to that. But right now, without further ado, writer, podcaster, founder of Music Motion Seabus, Rick Gethin, joining us in the Vinyl Analysis Studios. Rick, what's up? Rock and roll, baby. And I, uh, actually, I was on uh, Rick's podcast, Greg. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so, back in June. Yeah, back so June. this is how we... How we and we'll get to all that, Rick. We'll get to everything because I know you got a lot on your plate. You are a busy man, one of the busiest men in in show business. Oh, I don't know about that, but I think so. Staying busy keeps me out of trouble. You ran a music festival last weekend. I'm still recovering from it. That, well, okay. Well, the recovery is a little. <laughs> it takes a little longer. That is that is true. Liquid sustenance. Now, when we met, you were a, uh, a hockey writer. So to, give us some background on you. Where are you from? Uh, just get it, get it, get it going. Talk to us, Goose. Uh, from New York originally. Uh, moved to Ohio in 2004. Fell into writing. Uh, became a hockey journalist, sports journalist. Covered the Columbus Blue Jackets since their first playoff year of season of 2008-2009. Oh, when Detroit took a broom to us. Yeah, it's all right. But that house was rocking, wasn't it? But not as much as it was in 2014 against the Penguins. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was a loud arena. We're going to get them this year, by the way. This is our year to stop the, the reign of terror, which is Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Penguins fans will just become insufferable if they win three in a row. And you know what? And, and honestly, they don't have enough titles in that town, you know? <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. Let's, this isn't going to, uh, we can't go that route. We can't go okay. that route. All right. So, yeah, you covered the NHL. 
Uh, I've covered uh, a couple different sports, uh, Major League Soccer, NBA, um, mainly NHL. Um, long, long time ago, and you and I have talked about it on my show, uh, worked in radio. I've worked almost 10 years as a roadie, uh, touring musicians, touring bands and whatnot through most of the 90s is what I did. So, How did that work? How, do, how does that work? Because we always... You always hear stories, and, and somebody's going to write a book. I mean, there's got to be a roadie that writes a book, and you want to talk about a great show. or a, uh, That's, in the music biz, that's that's the hardest, isn't it? Well, the, uh, you know, you've got all the bands and the musicians that, that write about life on the road and all the shows, great shows this and great shows that. Well, roadies, we have stories that pretty much stay buried. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, I mean, it's... It, your worst nightmare a lot of times um, with just things that happen, whether it's technical difficulties or fans doing anything to meet the band. I mean, it's just, you literally uh, become somebody right, that has to deal with right, everything, Greg? you know. <laughs> it's just such a great, it's, I just, I'm fascinated by that. I wish there was more I could read and learn about that. But like you said, well, you the, can't do that. The difference I see now in today's society, I guess, you don't necessarily have like the groupies or the or the the fans that are willing to do as much as they did 20, 30 years ago. Fair enough. Fair enough. You just don't see that as much now. Um, I don't know. I don't know if they're more respectful or whatever, but back then they were they would literally, literally be willing to do anything to meet the band. And if that meant doing anything with a roadie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. Right? <laughs> Greg. It's like the scene in The Wall, you know? Where, uh, <laughs> yes, it, yes, it is. Very good. Good reference, yeah, Greg. Now, uh, I want to talk about your podcast. I had a blast on there. <laughs> we, uh, I loved having you on it, man. I mean, the, the music we played, and yes. that was that was a great show, by the way. An all-Ohio heavy metal show. Right? That's right? Cool. And, and And another reason, after we get done talking about Aerosmith... Another reason I brought Rick in, and this uh, this show, and I and I mention this every week, is recorded in in Columbus, Ohio. It's where we're based. You know what I mean? But but it's what's one of those deals where how how do I say this? I I just I want to know how, and I have I take a lot of pride in living here. I lived here over half my life. I want to know how the music scene is. I, I is and before we even get to the the long form answer, is it good? Is is our Columbus rock scene good? Yes. Okay. In a, I mean, in a word, yes. The thing is, it's just underground, for lack of a better term. Sometimes it's better that way. You know. Sometimes it's better I mean, that nobody's, way. Nobody's talking about it, which is kind of, you know, why I started up what I'm doing. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. We'll get back into it. Uh, we'll get back into it, because uh, I do want to talk about your podcast. I want to talk about the music festival that you put on. Uh, so many cool things that we can dive into. Uh, Rick Gethin is with me here on Vinyl Analysis. Uh, the Spotify playlist. It's a nice accompaniment to Vinyl Analysis episodes. Uh, you can search for Archie Vinyl Analysis. Now, let's go back to the album, Get Your Wings. Now, this is the second record. The The first record, believe it or not, had Dream On on it, and you would have thought that would have sent these guys into, you know, orbit. Not the case. Uh, a record, the way it was produced... Not to their likings, and it got zero reviews. I mean, no one even paid attention. And Dream On, we're talking when their first record came out in like 73, it was another three years before that even took off and became the anthem 
that we know. But we're talking about Aerosmith's second record, Get Your Wings. Where do you stand uh, with Aerosmith? You know, I'm a Van Halen guy, but I know who I feel is the best American rock band, and 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 it's these cats right here from Boston. So, y- your thoughts? Aerosmith set the bar um, with Get Your Wings. Steven Tyler and Joe Perry, they hadn't become the Toxic Twins yet, although there was quite a bit of drug use yeah, even, yeah, even then. Even then. But they hadn't become the, the Toxic Twins yet. But this album cemented their sound, that trademark Aerosmith sound. The first album was more of their influences. You know, if you, if you listen to that, you can hear a lot of their influences that they had growing up. You get into Get Your Wings, and, and that's really the first first time that you hear that trademark Aerosmith sound that is still going to this day. They became songwriters oh, too. Yeah, in, in this in this process to make this record, and I and I'll and I'll throw this out. I honestly believe that Whitford and Perry, guitar wise, from a guitar standpoint, this is the best. This is the best right here. This is this this record is it's dirty, it's deep, and they're not just a band who uh, most critics were comparing to. Oh, they're just trying to be the Stones. They're just trying to be the American version of the Stones. That That's not what you get with Get Your Wings. It's like this, I don't want this to sound like an insult, but almost like a uh, digestible Black Sabbath. It's got that raw... Oh, there's it's yeah, but yeah, it's organic, definitely rock, definitely. yeah, but it's not you know it's not as dark or, or as a Zeppelin or or, or, well, or, or Sabbath. Uh, no, Sabbath. You, you look you look at Sabbath and there, it, it was dark themes that yeah. they were that they were writing about and playing. I mean, at this point with Get Your Wings, that's when Steven Tyler kind of fell into. Let's talk about you know, sex and fucking foods. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, fucking for a better term. Wow, Greg, that's, that's uh, wow. Okay, yeah, fucking. I mean, he jumped into the the bluesy world of you know sex drugs rock and roll lord of thighs man oh, God, lord yeah. of the thighs are you kidding me great tune yeah great great uh i mean as far as your album oriented rock and that was one of those that's one of those hidden gems that you do hear every once in a while on a classic rock station well here's the thing with with lord of the thighs that drum beat that kramer's beating out at the beginning of it if you listen to it that's the precursor to walk this way it, it really is I mean, you, you listen, a year later when they recorded Walk This Way, boom, that's the drum beat he was using. Is it amazing that they're, you think about all the issues that they've had, and they did take some time off. Uh, you know, Joe Perry had his own band there for a little while. Hey, and they're still alive. Every one of them. Every flipping <laughs> one of them. And that it's, says a lot for a band in the 70s. They, they came of age in the 70s. I can't even... Rap my think about it. We're the last couple years for rock has just been devastating with everything, and this year is no different from last. It's it's just been horrible. Aerosmith is still cooking now. Obviously, Steve has had some health issues. He says they're fine, and they're in this uh, prolonged goodbye. I mean, it's probably going to be like a kiss farewell. Yeah, you know, Erevo Dirty or however the hell they're they're calling that. But I I actually read something. With uh, with Brad Whitford, and he says he feels that the band has uh, another good five years in them. So, I don't know. And and look, we don't hear a lot anymore live from Get Your Wings because of the success they had and the rebirth of the band in the late '80s and well, the sure. '90s. And and we're gonna get Ragdoll. You know, you're not gonna get Seasons of Wither, which is my favorite all time. Oh God, yes, it's my favorite all time. Seasons of Wither, 
followed by No More, No More from Toys in the Attic, which is the follow-up album to, to Get this. Your Wings. Yeah. And really, let, let's let's talk about the... You brought up Greg, and, and he brought up Black Sabbath. When you talk about songs like Spaced and Seasons of Wither, there is a very dark, ethereal kind of vibe and intros to each of those songs. Oh, sure. And, and that's why I think I gravitate to this one so much, because there's just... There's not another Aerosmith record that really sounds like this one. They did find their sound, and I'm sure you can compare a lot of songs to the songs, like you said, with Walk This Way and stuff like that. But the total vibe on this record, they were just, they were feeling it, and they were kind of getting their getting their legs on this one. Well, I think a big part of that was where they recorded the album, at the record plant in New York City. Yeah. Which, that was the first recording studio that wasn't a sterile environment. It was made to be comfortable with couches and more like a house. Right. And that was the really the first studio to ever do that. We also need to mention, and once he did bring up uh, the recording studios that they did this, uh, producer Jack Douglas joining the the group on this one. It's supposed to be Bob Ezrin, if, if, if the story, good Lord, right? D- it, Douglas really was a member of the band. He really was. And for the next four or five albums, you can tell that he he appreciated what he heard, he knew what he saw in this group, and was able to really do what he did with Get Your Wings and 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 for the next four or five records. Oh God, yes. The the thing with the band and and the sound and everything, it all becomes if you're comfortable, whether it's your surroundings, your environment, who you're working with, and it all the synergy of it all came together on this album. Where do you rank them as far? Do you put them? They are the American rock and roll band, aren't they? I don't think there's anybody that can really. No. Hold a can. I mean, there's some that are close. Yeah. But really, I mean, if you if if you have to pick one, this would be the it's one. Aerosmith, yeah. It's Aerosmith, man. It's Aerosmith. What did you think of uh, the stuff in the late '80s? No, and through the '90s. I mean, where, where did the? I mean, it was just, you know, probably the same way I feel about when I listen to Load. Well, it was, it was it was the age of MTV, <laughs> yeah. which changed the di- the dynamic of everything, and radio was also kind of transforming. I mean, in the seventies when they were writing such great music and full albums of it, they were getting played. You know, it was album oriented rock. It was yeah, you know, yeah. album cuts. Yeah, man. You know, and I can remember growing up as a kid and listening to you know AM radio or even FM early FM radio and. They were not playing, there wasn't like a, you know, this is the hit and you play it, you know, once every five, six, seven hours, whatever. It was like the DJ was picking whatever he wanted and, or she wanted and boom, let's, let's try this cut off, you know, track four off of side two. Can you imagine? Close your eyes and imagine that, Greg. Wouldn't that be nice? Huh? Close your eyes and fucking imagine that. It's just... A beautiful, it was, beautiful it time. Was a great no more time eagles. To be alive. Yeah, and would you stop? Now, now, don't. Now we're not. We're not going. We're not going down that road. No and, and let's not forget uh, Rick Gethin uh, with us here in the uh, Vinyl Analysis Studios. Let's not forget their role of partnering up with Run DMC and and really showing the the people who are buying the records out there. How viable rap music is, and and how yeah. I mean that was huge. I mean that was huge when they paired up with Run DMC. It, it showed that type of music to a whole different audience. 
And the thing was, rap at that time, and rap has now become hip hop. Mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. is the 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 term used now. I mean, it, back then, those the DJs and and the MCs run DMC, Curtis Blow. You go through a whole list of them. Yeah, you know they were spinning records, and and taking samples off of that, and using the rock beats too. You know, disco beats, rock beats. Maybe. It was a seminal moment though when oh. those when those when that went down with Aerosmith and, and Run DMC. Now uh, educate me here. Was that also as beneficial to Aerosmith at the time? Was that kind of a resurgence yes, for it them? Did. Yes, kind it did. Of, uh, yes, it did. Because it wasn't long quo. after that that the permanent vacation that, took that off. That coincided as well. with them, basically, for lack of a better term, getting their shit together. Joe Perry and Steven Tyler. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the Toxic Twins. They were. They were that. Somewhere in a, in a box at home, I have a Toxic Twins t-shirt. Awesome. There, there is, now there is a record once uh, Joe was done with his band and and um, and Whitford was out for a while too. I mean, he split in 81. I mean, it was, it was there was some dark times there. Now done with mirrors, <laughs> there's a double entrant, whatever that is. Entendre? Thank you very much, Rick. <laughs> but it, it's... Uh, that whole record, and, and I love that record. They they did a version of Let the Music Do the Talking, which was yeah. a Joe Perry song. It, it's That is a great record, but it didn't take off until Permanent Vacation. And yes, that video, Walk This Way, with with uh, Run DMC, mm-hmm. was, uh, it, it helped them. It was, it was very beneficial. Overhead. Yeah, it was very beneficial to both artists. But the, the whole genre uh, of where rap was at that point, I mean, it really, it got it on MTV more so. Oh. Yes. And it was just, and that was it. And then it took off. Just, uh, and that was another thing, man. How important was MTV to you? It was huge to me. Huge to me. I talk about it all the time. That's when we quit going outside. You know, I can remember watching uh, Yo, Live MTV. Aid. Oh, Live, Live Aid. Aid, yes. Watching that on MTV because they were broadcasting it. I mean, the whole thing, the yeah. show in London yeah. at Wembley Stadium. Yeah. And then here in Washington. Know, here in, you know, the United States and watching Phil Collins fly over on the Concord. And they were covering all that, and they covered it almost like a news event, but it was live coverage the whole time. So that, I mean, that was when MTV was vibrant, vital to teenagers and and oh yeah, man, that was you know, me, young adults. That was me. You know, it was it was a new way to to enjoy your music because not only did you get to hear the song, you know, you get to watch a three and a half minute, four minute movie. Now, if you listen to uh, Vinyl Analysis on iTunes, I want to remind you to please leave comments. Like uh, Jipka gave us a five-star rating, and uh, they said, keep up the good work. So, see, there you go. Thank you. Thank you, Jipka. G-Y-P-C-A. And as soon as we get to pronounce it. Yes, and as soon as we. You're our number one fan. Yes, and as soon as we (laughs) get. Send him a t-shirt. Well, I was going to say, as soon as we get the Vinyl Analysis (laughs) koozies, I'll have uh, have producer Greg. FedEx one of them some bitches to you out in Wisconsin. Thank you, Jip. Jipka, thank you so much. from the arch, man. All right. Now, Rick Gethin. So you're you're done. You're done writing about hockey. You're doing that thing. So talk to us about where this music motion C bus came to. Uh, the you know the, the 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 podcast that you have. I mean, just get us talk to us. Talk to okay. us. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, you know my background. I've worked in radio. 25 almost 30 years ago mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. uh touring roadie right on for for many different bands worked as a journalist and in january of 2017 after moving here in 2004 and seeing how vibrant and large the music scene is in columbus and central ohio yeah um 
nobody was writing about it. Nobody's talking about it. If I wanted to go see a local band okay. at a show, you know, at a bar venue, whatever, on a Friday night, Saturday night, whatever night of the week, all I could find was a concert calendar. Unless I spent a lot of time searching. And the fact that I couldn't read about, you know, an in-depth interview with a local band. I mean, New York, go to a show at the Mud Club on a Friday night in 1984, and you'd read about it on Saturday. Oh, what a novel concept. So I decided to launch my own website. Well, it's the digital age, so, you know, we don't do print anymore. Um, It's cost prohibitive, but... (laughs) um, Started up musicinmotioncolumbus.com, and it's been like a rocket ride ever since. You know, nine months we've been alive. The so, podcast was a blast. Podcast that was, I that launched, was, that I was a that lot in, of fun. That launched was that in April. Okay. So we'll try to put a link up, by the way. Yeah. Get me a link, and we'll make sure the vinyl analysis fans. <laughs> yeah. Can um, see that. Jipka. We'll but send yeah, Jipka your uh, way. I mean, what we do, what we do is uh, in-depth interviews. Album reviews, EP reviews, um, even single reviews. I, although I, I don't like doing a single review, I'd rather have at least four or five, six songs to fair enough to look at. Uh, concert reviews, show reviews um, of local bands. I mean, ninety nine point nine percent of what we do is local. I limit us to two national touring acts per month, and that's it. That's it. Everything else is. Local or regional to Ohio. Now, you also, I mean, we're talking about in the infancy stages of this. Yes. You had a music festival not too long ago. Uh, we don't want to date it too much here, but but what happened? I mean, how, how did that go? Who did you have? I, I, mean, I was approached by uh, a venue in Reynoldsburg, you okay. know, just outside of Columbus. And he wanted, he, he's, he's got live music there on weekends, Friday and Saturday nights. He wanted to partner with, with musicinmotioncolumbus.com. And put together something that would maybe draw some fans to the east side of Columbus. And we hashed it back and forth over, you know, two and a half hours sitting in his bar. Fair enough. <laughs> over <laughs> some drinks. Some of the best ideas come from that. <laughs> it was a casual business meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we settled on, you know, putting together a music festival. And ended up having eight bands. Uh, seven of which were local to... Columbus and Central Ohio, and we had our headliner was Karma to Burn. Love those guys out of man. Morgantown, West Virginia, yeah. which makes them regional. I mean, Morgantown. You're, you're it seems looking... like a perfect fit. As soon as I read that, as soon as you announced that, I'm like, oh I, yeah, yeah, that's cool. That oh, keeps dude, they, the reg- they they fucking rock. Oh, they're so awesome. <laughs> and, and tell Greg the cool thing about them, and and they are kind of labeled a stoner rock band, uh, and and so many great bands from that. Genre, I mean, you were talking about the Caiuses and the and the and the Monster Magnets and and just I mean the list goes on and I mean let's just be well, honest. I mean it's basically it's, they're they're lumping them in with the bands that came out of the Palm Desert scene um, in oh, California. God. You know that that whole vibe, that stoner rock, yeah, and and the, they really do embrace that. It, it's that kind of loose surf, you know, yeah. surfer kind of let's get high and play some music type of thing. Right, stoner rock. Um, the guys in Karma to Burn really are are more a Appalachian attitude. You know, they're mountain boys, right? You know, they they live in West by God, Virginia. <laughs> I know that. I'm <laughs> I mean, you're not you're, that you're, far from I there. I was going to say you're you're from Marietta, just across the river. You know, I, I taught my boys all the good. I uh, went back home 
uh, this past weekend, and I taught the boys all the good, all my good jokes, and we're we're standing down by the river on the Ohio side, and you've got, you know, up on the bridge, and it just says, uh, West Virginia, almost, almost heaven. And I said, you know why they call it almost heaven? Because it's right next to Ohio. (laughs) 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 All that kind of thing. Not quite the end of the earth, but you can see it from there. Yeah, yes, sort of. (laughs) 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 But man, Karma to Burn, it had to be a killer set. Those guys absolutely just. Oh, here's it's here's a great sound. What a great sound! I didn't admit this to too many people okay. before before the show. I did I did tell the guys in the band because they showed up a couple of hours before they had to go on, and I I spent that time basically. Did you burn some karma. <laughs> uh, right, well, uh, we 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 pounded some beers. Gotcha. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. No no burning, but we we pounded. I'm with definitely. You. I'm with you. Um, so you're back there. Fifteen years I've been a fan in this of of karma to burn. Um, and they had like a seven-year hiatus where they didn't play due to, you know, issues, drug use and whatnot. So they kind of disbanded and then came back together in 2009. Um, but they started in 93, which coincides with that Palm Desert that whole scene, scene we were talking man, about. That whole scene. But I've been a fan of them for 15 years, and I found them through Caius and, and the rest of those. Yeah. But I'd never seen them live before this festival. I'd never ever been able to find them close enough to where so I was to get living. To it at the it time. happens, man. You it know? happens. And I was always bummed. So you know, it's like I've been checking their website for years. It's like when they come off a European tour because they play m- most of their shows and they play over a hundred, well, about one hundred and fifty shows a year, right? Almost every year or more. I mean, they're touring a lot, but it's mainly over in Europe. They're huge in England. They're Isn't huge that in Germany. Isn't that something? I mean, they're going back over to uh, to England. And and Germany in December, they're playing their direct support for Orange Goblin. Love Orange. There's another great band. The Christmas show, the, the annual Christmas show in London, and Karma to Burn is direct support for Orange Goblin, and they're playing Munich on New Year's Eve. So you know, I want to go back to Germany, but I digress. Okay. I, I told the guys in the band, I was like, <laughs> I've been into you for like 15 years, and this is like the first time I'm going to see you live, and the first thing out of Will Meekum, guitarist. Uh, and founding member of the band, first thing out of his mouth was, oh, we're going to pop your cherry tonight. Yes, they did. And boy, they did. Yes, they did. That's awesome. 75-minute set, man. It was, and the great thing about them, there's no stage banter. There's none of this, hey, you know, we're so glad you came out. And it's like, they literally went halfway through their set before, in between a song, over the span of about 10 seconds, he said, oh, by the way, we're karma to burn. And boom, into the next song. All their songs are numbers. They're numbered. The songs are numbered. Straight to the point. Here. I'll, sh- I'll show you a picture, Greg. I've, I've got a picture of the set It's list. like 27, 14, 13. It, yeah. it's, it's... Now, see, their first album has song titles, but they're mainly an instrumental band. Yeah. But the record labels wanted song titles. They, they were like, oh, what is this number shit? You know? <laughs> That's it's, great. It's insane. It's insane. And it, there's no real order to it, though. Right. If, you, if you look at their albums chronologically, the numbers aren't chronological. I mean, it's not like in order. It's weird. It's, it's, I don't Isn't know. The best? It's confusing. Track four, if number you, 38. If, <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I'm going to be, I'm going to be that guy right now. For our Spotify playlist, if you were to pick a number, do you have a favorite oh, number God. from Carbon to Burn? Give, give producer Greg a, a number if you have one. 44. Have- Off. Appalachian Incantation, 2010 right. was when it was released. Let me see if it's on there. All right, 44. Now, 
you now, you can I, type in either the number 44 or spell out 44. You know, booze, drugs, sex. I mean, that that's what Aerosmith became. They became a band that was about having fun. Yeah, when the Candy Twins. Yes. It was the Toxic Twins. Um, I mean... I don't know. Are we the candy and twins? I don't know. We, you <laughs> and I might be the candy twins. Here's the great Greg. thing about Lord of, Lord of the Thighs. That was the last song written, and it was done overnight in Studio C at the record plant because they needed one more song for the album. And they literally closeted themselves in Studio C overnight, wrote the song, and recorded it in less than 24 hours. How the hell is Lord of the Thighs just... Thrown awesome. together like that. And it's such a badass song. It's a jam. An absolute jam. Well, that's mean, making the list. Oh, of course. Spaced. I'm cool with Spaced. Now, see, I kind of I equate I like Spaced, spaced. And, and, and Seasons of Wither. Uh, seasons, seasons of Wither has to be on it. Yeah, and, that, and that's my favorite. That is yeah. my favorite Aerosmith song. Period. That's my favorite. I mean, it's really their first power ballad. It re- and, and, and Perry says it's his favorite. So I mean, it's it's one of those songs that stands the test of time. It's still as vital today, and what he's talking about you know, in that relationship breakup that yeah. the song's about. You know, it's still vital today. I just oh my god that that song the the way it builds up at the beginning, y- y- you know, that's it, just like I said we talked about it earlier, but that blues-hearted lady, mm-hmm. sleepy. She? But it's so ethereal. Oh, it's did so you, ethereal. Did you, think the way it that, did you cl- close your eyes? Did you feel like Steven Tyler was there? Is that you, Steven? Yeah. No, I'm done. Okay. I'm done. It's, it's just that first part. It's just the, the, that song, the way it builds up. Uh, SOS, too bad. That needs to be on there. That's another. That that might be part due as far as my uh, favorite off that record. Now, Train Kappa Rolling. That really should be on there. And that's a now that's I mean, it's, it's a live staple and has been since the origins of the band because they're big Yardbirds fans. Sure. Well, all all my all, my, all of my idols. When you talk about like the, the the Joe Perry's and the Eddie Van Halens and the, I mean they love the Yardbirds. Yeah. They everybody love the Yardbirds. Well, who doesn't? Well, they just kind of shit guitarists. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> they were Age the first super group. Uh, and they really back. were. Yeah. You know. They really were. This song, Train Kept a Rolling, that means means something to you, doesn't it? Yeah, well, it's... I mean, you hear that the crowd noise on Train, train Kept a Rolling. You know, that was actually lifted from the concert for Bangladesh. See, that's what I had heard, and that's a... That's a but here's, here's that's the a thing. Jack Douglas thing there. But, but here's the thing. When Train Kept a Rolling was released as a single later in 74, the crowd noise was not on there. On the single version. God... <laughs> Even radio was uptight back then. Oh yeah, <sighs> they had its moments. We talked. We said, "Hey, it was great. It was album uh, album oriented rock." But it still even had its moments where they had to kind of condense stuff. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of stories like that. Uh, Train kept a rolling is one of those. Yeah, the the crowd noise that always it was very intriguing. I was just like, "Wow, that's it interesting kinda... to throw that." In. It, oh, it works because it blends. Right in. I mean, it fits with the song. But it goes, when you're listening to the album, you're listening to those two songs consecutively on the record, how it just kind of, you hear the crowd and then Seasons of Wither kind of works its way in. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just, that's what albums, that's the essence of albums right there. Yeah. 
It was it's, one of the, it was one of, one of the best those things. moments. Yeah, and that's the first time we've talked about that little bit on vinyl analysis. Actually, is kind of those segues, those blends that you don't necessarily get on radio anymore. And uh, yeah, you know, yeah, that's what makes vinyl the best. Well, the, the great thing was <laughs> back Amen. then. Amen. Back then, with with producers and and the bands, because a lot of the bands came up with those ideas too, of kind of blending the songs together because they they felt that the songs fit together, and the producers would work their magic. You know, with the huge consoles they had back then, but it was like, boom, it just fit, and you don't see that, and I miss that coming out of that. This is an album experience. This record, this this has to be listened on vinyl. Uh, you know, and as we were kind of, you know, over the last couple of days, I'm getting ready to come in here and and do this one with you. I I just threw it on this one right here, baby. And uh, it's it's beat up all to hell, but damn, it sounds good. Sounds so good. And there's, I I don't I wouldn't even want to listen to a digital version of. Okay, I'm gonna uh, get I'm gonna wings. I'm gonna be that old guy in the room now. Go for it. I love analog over digital, because, and the kids today don't understand this because they didn't grow up with vinyl. Get the fuck off our lawn, Greg. <laughs> They're, I'm on your side on this I, one. He's, Come he's, on. He's, there, on there, he's on our side. There is, I mean, if you're an audiophile, if you're a fan of music, and obviously we are mm -hmm. in this room, I mean, if you're a huge fan of music and music means that much to you, hearing the warmth of an analog recording, not only something that is Amen, on Rick. vinyl, but Amen. was recorded on tape. Because you see, bands today are releasing vinyl albums, but they're recorded digitally. So it's not, it's not really analog. Um, even the new vinyl does sound good, and and, and I'm and I'm I'm with you on the analog. Yeah. I I really am. I mean I can hear but the some difference. of these new pressings and stuff. Yeah. It is it is. I can hear it's the badass. difference. Yeah, with you know an original vinyl analog oh, recording. Oh oh amen. Uh, absolutely. The warmth and there absolutely. there is a warmth, and you really hear it with headphones, which are a thing of the past because earbuds don't cut it. No no. You need you need a good you set need... of cans. You know, <laughs> and, <laughs> and more than one way. on that one. Yes, uh, in more than one way there. <laughs> True that, Holmes. And that's one of my favorite contemporary artists is Jack White, and he was all in on that too. Oh, he embraces and, the, um, he embraces that whole thing. Dave Grohl like from the Foo Fighters. Yeah, Dave Grohl. Yeah, I mean, he bought the Nev yeah. console yeah. out of Sound City when they closed. Yep. That you know. Oh yeah. Nev, that they bought that brand new Sound City did for what seventy five thousand dollars. It's a great movie too, the documentary yeah. or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's just that's amazing. You have presence. You I have presence. Uh, yes, I did. And, this is, and, and quite honestly, <laughs> Greg, this should be a new thing. And I want all the future <laughs> guests. Oh God, I'm gonna hear hate mail from every one of your guests after this. I, Rick is bringing <laughs> presents. I brought, man. I brought presents because I know. I mean, you and I, you and I are we're, we're of that same kind of era. Dude, you wanted to do a Saigon Kick record, and I was almost gonna do that. I mean, you, the lizard, dude. Oh, dude, I'm that with you. That is such a badass I'm fucking album. You. Let's just do Aerosmith, and then we'll save the Saigon kick for next, next time. time. Next time. I'm with you, Rick. Okay. All right, uh, what do you the, got, bro? The first one. Okay. I've got two. Oh, this is exciting. Yes, you have for me. This is great. Uh, first one is from my radio days. Mm. <laughs> a promo single. Okay. I'm not of Cinderella, and it's a little beat up oh, because oh, I've moved around yeah. so much in my life. Oh. In a guitar case. No way! No way, Greg, we gotta get a picture of that. <laughs> oh my god, yes. Oh uh, my god. Yeah, vital, oh, damn, yeah. Rick. That's epic. God, I hope I hope I put the C D back yeah, right, in here. Right, right. I don't even because it was oh like the god, infancy awesome. of C D. That is but awesome. But this was back this is back when record oh. labels 
record labels would do these promotional items to get their song on the radio. <laughs> Look at it, dude. Oh, man, thank you so much. I mean, it's beat up. It's got character. Oh, I, that's, I don't want any. Oh, my God. That would, this past summer when I was, you know, when I was hanging with Tom Kiefer, that would have blew his fucking mind. Look at, look at this. <laughs> Bro, Rick, I didn't thank know it would you. make you that happy, man. It, it is that is just one of the coolest. I knew you'd appreciate it, though. No, and I love it. I thank you. That is awesome, bro. God damn, that's cool. Now, the other gift I have for you, yeah, was right after you had been on my show, okay, and I had to go back to New York. I remember that trip. You, my, you're, you're, my middle you're, daughter was yeah, graduating high school from school. Right on. I remember that. I found digging through a record. Well, it was not a record oh, store, so CD so store, so rec, so you know, music store. Um. Mm. I found a live recording from Europe, yes. 1981, yes. of Dokken. Yeah. <laughs> this is the greatest show ever. With probably the first recorded version of Breaking the Chains on here. Oh, fuck. So that is for you, too. back next week. Oh, <laughs> dude. Yeah, Paris is burning, going down in the middle. Yo, and oh it's all live. Oh, my God. And there's, I think, five, four there's or five. There's a solo in there. Four or five on there are unreleased. Oh, like, this previously has to be totally one unreleased. of the first recordings of Breaking the Chains. This oh, yeah. has to yeah. be. Oh, my God. I don't even. I, mean, <laughs> don't I, looked, I don't have anything for you. I gave you a couple beers there. Did you hey, like those? Dude. <laughs> those were good, you right? Rock. The Lagunitas. All right. Plug away. Plug, a, plug, plug away. Plug away. What, what, what do you. What do you well, where can, yes. Talk mu- to me, Goose. Music in Motion Columbus. Dot com. I mean, it's that easy. We'll put, make sure we put a link at QFM96.com. Okay. Uh, oh, that. you guys rock. Okay. We, you guys we'll, really that's rock. the least we can do for you, my man. Um, I mean, oh, you go to the website. I mean, we're on, we're on Twitter, you know, at Music Motion Seabus. Uh, we're on Facebook. Just search Music in Motion Columbus. And, and some of the bands that you've uh, hit me to, some of the local bands, I've kind of become uh, Twitter friends with and, and, and stuff <laughs> like that. So I... I uh, I, I appreciate that. It's, it's kind of cool, man. The you, thing you, is, we you don't know the people here in town, we, man. It's cool. We embrace all forms of music because the core belief is good music is good music. Doesn't matter what the genre is. It can be hip hop. It can be jazz. It can be heavy metal, hard rock, country. It doesn't matter. Right. We want Al- it to be heavy metal. Alternative for the most part. hipster indie, right? as I like to call it, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is the trendy thing right, right on, now. And, that, and that's cool, though. But I wanted to embrace everything. I mean, I'm going to see a band in another week or two from just outside of Columbus that is called, I think, A Brave Sea. They're like a pirate band that does rock. Uh, um, did you say a pirate yes, band? Yes, they, they, they write songs, and it's kind of like rock, but it's kind of like if you thought a pirate was playing, you know, like a, a Fender Strat band. or, you know, it's it's weird. They don't dress up like pirates necessarily. Okay, but. I was wondering that, and if the uh, <laughs> if the bar owner paid them in treasure, <laughs> give me your doubloons. A vast humidity hoist the mainsail, throw away the anchor. Well, Rick, Rick, Rick Gethin <laughs> ha- has been our guest. Thank you on so many levels, Rick. Thank you. I'm glad I was able to return the favor and, and get you on here because I had a blast with you. I would love to do your show again. I want obviously you've got to come back for season three, uh, and we're gonna was, we're gonna pick a good one. It was an unexpected surprise. You. Yeah, you know, uh, having you ask me on the show, I I am so grateful. 
Good deal. Uh, for that. It's, I mean, you and I have been friends for I know, too man. many years for now, man. Yeah, exactly. Go Jackets, by the way, brother. Rock and roll. And the name of the podcast? The name of the podcast is The Cat Club Podcast. Little story behind that. What's the story? The Cat Club, in, and you'll love this. The Cat Club, because I'm from New York, great club in the 80s in New York City, was the place to go to see hair metal bands. Oh, it's just, see, Arch, I love you, baby. I just, the, 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 Gethin, you are the gift that keeps giving. Honest to God. There you go. That is uh, Rick Gethin, Music Motion Columbus, uh, and uh, he's just got his finger on the pulse of the whole Columbus music scene. Uh, thank you so much for coming in, Rick. Uh, also, producer Greg Hansberry. This is a fun one, man. We've just been hitting, him out, been hitting him out of the park, my man. This is fun. Uh, I am Arch Madness, and this has been Vinyl Analysis. Vinyl <laughs> Analysis.